0: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight with Pastor Gordon Runyon and friends as they seek to understand and dissect many of the issues plaguing the church today from the pulpit to the pew.
1: My name is Joyce Runyon, and I want to thank you for tuning in to "Setting the Record Straight" podcast. Our teacher today is my husband of 30 years, Pastor Gordon Runyon, from Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tucumcari, New Mexico. He's been a Christian Reconstructionist for a long, long time, and it's his assigned task here to sort out theological errors and mistakes of all flavors. Our topic today is an important one, so without further ado, here is our host, Gordon Runyon.
2: Yay! Yay! (laughs) Well, good to be here with you, my lady. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What kind of uh, controversy you got for me?
1: Oh, there's all sorts of things going on out there, but... I think something that's really important that is uh, fast approaching us is our elections for our president this year. And I think many of us had high hopes going into it, that our choices might be something other than what it appears they're going to be. And um, it's really kind of a bummer. So what what can we do? What should we do?
2: Right. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting question. In fact, I was just reading... Via Facebook, I was reading an article from a, one of the celebrity evangelical pastors. Mm. His name is, I think it's Swahili, if, I, if I'm if i guessing right. But his name is... I
1: was thinking his name, his is, name is not Swahili. <laughs> that's not his name. Well, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Swahili. <laughs> well, I'll you be your new pastor.
1: You just never know. You never
2: know these days. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's uh, I believe it's Swahili. His name is Thabiti Enyabwile. Mm, well, there's the wile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, but anyway, he was at, he preached at the Luganier conference that I went to several years ago. Okay. And uh, so he's a he's a good preacher and and uh, as far as I know, good guy. But the thing that was appalling about this. He was writing about what's he going to do
0: mm-hmm. with
2: the presidential choices. And he kind of came to the same conclusion that a lot of us have, that I can't, as a as a Bible-believing Christian, I can't be very excited about voting for Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not at all excited about voting for Hillary either. Yeah. And... uh and so his article was about what he's gonna do, and he 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 made the case basically he didn't say it this way, but his case is uh better the devil that you know than the devil you don't know yeah and and his estimation was that who knows what Trump'll do if he actually gets in office, and he's yeah. kind of a loose cannon and <laughs> and uh
1: that's not what I was expecting, but
2: okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so that was his idea. And and so he's kind of saying he's leaning toward voting for Hillary just so that you have somebody that you can, I mean, we've somebody known. Somebody you can trust. <laughs> right. Well, I think what he's hoping is you can trust her to be consistent with who she's always been.
1: Which is bad and evil uh, and, right. and deceitful. Not, that's and... not attractive at all. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's consistent. That's what we know. I think
2: that's what he was saying. Now, the thing that distressed me about that article was the fact that this was published by the Gospel Coalition website. Mm. He's a member of the Gospel Coalition. And these guys stay away from talking about politics like it's the plague. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure most uh, religious organizations do. Right.
2: Separation of church
1: and state, we can't say anything.
2: Yeah, that's right. And they don't want to offend anybody and, and all that. You don't get to be a celebrity preacher oh, by offending people. a lot of people. Now, yeah. speaking truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that might be a little harsh. <laughs> right. But uh, I was going to say the thing that really offended me about the article was not so much his conclusions or anything, but the fact that throughout the article there was no Bible in the whole thing you know there was no scripture yeah. and uh it's just his opinion and basically it's it's the same opinion that you can get watching c n n or yeah, or something else, like that
1: there's nothing to differentiate it
2: yeah in fact the day before I read that article from him I read one from the National mm-hmm. review and National Review is the magazine that was started by William F Buckley Jr. and he was kind of a libertarian leaning uh republican. Mm-hmm. I think they've gone maybe more neoconservative here recently. They've lost I for my money they've lost their libertarian streak. But they made the same case. They were saying everything we know about Hillary is that she'll probably govern somewhere in between Obama and George W Bush that she's probably somewhere in the middle there. And yeah. and their case was that things like markets and the international community and stuff like that, one thing they hate is radical change, and, and uh, they'll find a way to adjust to whatever the status quo is. Mm-hmm. And so if you get somebody that you just think is going to maintain the status quo until you get somebody better, maybe that's better than voting for a guy that you really don't know what his deal is or, or what he's going to be and do. Yeah. And and I only bring that up because the article from National Review basically came down in the same place that Enyap Willy came down only they did it a lot better. They made the argument a lot better than he did. Yeah. And and it's because I think he's just He's just in the echo chamber, you know, the whole right-left paradigm and mm-hmm. and hearing the talking heads on both sides and stuff like that. And it distresses me that a pastor would write for the gospel coalition about what he's going to do voting <laughs> and not mention the Bible yeah, and not talk about
1: what our responsibilities are.
2: Right, and it seemed to me, hey, you know, I, I don't want to... I don't want to denigrate the brother or anything like that. I don't want to insult him, but my goodness, you couldn't tell from his article that he even knows that mm-hmm. the Bible contains instructions for civil rulers and their qualifications and what they should be like. And and so I was hoping we could kind of go through some of that. There's actually so much information about the Bible on this topic mm-hmm. in the Bible. Did I say about the Bible? You There's it on the Bible. About this topic? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, one of those. It's all right. It's all right. The prepositions confuse me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's actually so much in the Bible about this topic that w- there'd be no way we can do it all in in one podcast. And, yeah. So I just wanted I just want to mention a fairly major place in the Book of Exodus. You'll remember the story where. Uh, Moses leads the people out, and then as they're traveling, they meet up with his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. And right, and Jethro watches what happens as Moses sits there as the only judge, and they kind of wear him out from yeah. sun up to sundown. And so, in chapter eighteen, Jethro undertakes to give him some advice, and it turned out to be really good advice. And <clears throat> and so in. Exodus 18 and verse 21, Exodus 18, 21, says, Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. So those were the qualifications that Jethro suggested, and I thought we'd just go through that. It said the first qualification is that you want to se- you want to select out of the people able men.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's also important. It said uh, you select out of the people. You know, I'm convinced our current president has never been an American citizen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Among the people. Uh, right, he's not a. He's definitely not a natural born citizen as the Constitution requires. But Ted Cruz isn't either. Never was not a natural born citizen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, both those guys sealed away their their documentation that would have proved it one way or the other. And yeah, the evangelical's mad that this foreigner Obama is in office, but they're gonna get right behind this foreigner Trump, or not Trump but Cruz yeah. who has just as hard a time documenting that he's actually a natural-born citizen. I think there's no doubt, just as an aside, that he's not a natural-born citizen. Mm-hmm. He may be an American citizen or he may be a Canadian citizen, and that's part of what he's kept hidden. But that's neither here nor there. He's out, <laughs> he's out of the race now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, So you are supposed to select them out of the people, and then in Deuteronomy chapter seventeen, when they start talking about what they're going to do for a king, mm-hmm. that was one of the requirements. There is that you have to choose someone among your of your brethren. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowed to choose a foreigner and, and set him over you. That would seem to just be smart, right? You don't want to. Yeah. You want somebody, somebody that has some in, allegiance yeah. to the country, and yeah. yeah. Okay, so select him. Select them out of the people, and you want able men and i think this means that they they've been proven they're gifted they're obviously inclined i think they've been tested and tried mm-hmm. and so all the people know that they really are qualified to do this job now the issue is as we look at the current situation uh hillary's held some government jobs but she has never done anything, you know, and uh, yeah. you could argue, in fact... Well, she has done things. Right, in and Benghazi. And, yeah, right.
1: Yeah, she's and, most definitely done some stuff, but none of it was positive or good. No, or
2: no. <laughs> You're right. And so a lot of people, the reason they're behind Trump is because he's a successful businessman. And he obviously knows how to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trouble is that government is not a business, and it's never been designed to work like that. Government is God's idea. And we learn from Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Uh, see my published works, by the way. We learn that uh, government came from God, was set up mm-hmm. by God with a specific purpose in mind.
1: Yes, that's right.
2: To punish the wicked and and reward or praise the ones who do right, the righteous. And so... Basically, it works out to be law enforcement and a, a, a court level. system. Yeah. yeah. And so that's not a business. It's not a for-profit thing. You know, in fact, it's dangerous to put somebody in that who thinks, oh, we can find a way to make some money off of this. You know, that's that, that's horrible. You don't want that. Yeah. And and so I'm saying I think Mr. Trump does have a lot of capabilities. Uh he's obviously a talented guy, he's obviously a charismatic guy and, and uh makes friends easily and in spite of what he says and, and all that. And <laughs> yeah. But his experience is of the type that really has no application to the work of government. And so I think they both fail on that count as well. Uh then they're supposed to be men who fear God. And I don't think there's any question neither one of these characters fears God. Yeah. And I I think it's a it's a travesty. At least Hillary is not trying to claim that she's well, sometimes she does. Claims that she Yeah, depends who she's talking to. But Trump wants the all the evangelicals in the GOP to believe that he's a committed Christian. And uh that's just the most ludicrous.
1: Well, unfortunately, thing. during any election cycle, suddenly, right. everybody's going to church. <laughs> right, right. They're making appearances, they're getting photo shots outside of buildings and uh you know, it's not about once every 4 years. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's be. something that that happens across the board.
2: Yeah, it is. And it's certainly happening with Trump, I'm, I can't imagine somebody really thinking that, oh, yeah, he is a Christian. You know, he's come out publicly and said he's never asked for forgiveness for anything. Doesn't think he's ever done anything that he needs to be forgiven of. Uh, he's owned a strip club in the past, you know, and that's just that's just one thing that you can yeah. mention. Well, you well, he's know. a businessman. <laughs> right. And, uh, it just shocks me. It just shocks me, not that he would say those things, but that Christians would say, oh, yeah, that's fine. So, they don't fear God. Neither one of them does. They're supposed to be men of truth. Uh, this means people who don't tell lies, who live by their integrity. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hillary is clearly disqualified.
1: Well, she's not a man. <laughs> right? no. She's not a man of truth. <laughs> no. well, she's not
2: anything of truth, is, <laughs> yeah, is that's the problem. Right. That's right. And, uh, you know, Trump has mm-hmm. gone back and forth and said, different things at different times to different people. I don't know how anybody could believe a word that he says. Yeah. You know. And then uh, there's supposed to be those who hate dishonest gain, and in other translations it, it means they hate a bribe. Hillary obviously doesn't hate bribes. No. You, you know, uh, She's making millions of dollars for, well, not millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars in a speaking fee to speak to some organization for 20 minutes. Yeah, and not because he's a great speaker, you know. Yeah, and you look at the Clinton Foundation and how they're getting all sorts of uh, money from foreign governments, just because they support the philanthropic work of the Clinton Foundation. Mm, yes. And uh, and then on the other side, you've got Trump, who has bragged about how much money he's he's poured into politicians' pockets. And, you know, I, I'm not aware of him ever calling it a bribe. I don't think he would be that dumb to do that. But obviously, that's what it is. You're paying to play. You're paying to get influence, and and he's just. I've seen him describe that as well. It's just the way Washington works. You ha- you have to pay the money, and if you want the access, and if you want a favor later and stuff like that. Well, that's what a bribe is. You know, where you're paying money to do these things. And he hasn't he hasn't talked about that as if oh, you know, I got suckered into this evil and we need to do something about it. No, he's defended it. And so she loves receiving bribes and he's pretty happy to pay the bribes because it gets him what he wants, you know. And uh, I think they're both disqualified. And uh, so that's pretty much the qualifications that are in Exodus 18 and verse 21. We have a little bit more time. I wanted to hit on a point that you mentioned. If you go to Deuteronomy in chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Choose wise and discerning and experienced men from your tribes, and I will appoint them as your heads. The one thing that I wanted to point out is that in the Hebrew language, there's a word for men or men that is generic and Mm -hmm. obviously means men and women. Mm-hmm. and then there's a more specific hebrew term that just means men and, and can't mean women yeah. and that's it's that specific term that moses uses there you shall choose wise and discerning and experienced males from among your tribes and uh i i still think that's an important thing i know that makes me a neanderthal and and all that but <laughs> yeah. and so I think Hillary's just as qualified as Trump is on that, so I'll move forward <laughs> to something else. <laughs> uh, another one, I'll stay in the Old Testament. I just wanted to point out something that doesn't get pointed out very often when we talk about these things is Second uh, Samuel in verse 23. It's it's kind of uh, David's farewell okay. address. Second Samuel chapter 23 in verse 3. Okay. Stumbled over myself there. Okay. Second 2 Samuel 23.3, David says, The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God, is as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, when the tender grass springs out of the earth through sunshine after rain. Now, uh, I'm reading out of the NASB here, and if you check modern translations, it'll kind of read like this, where he's saying, he who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God, Uh, it's a descriptive phrase, it's not an imperative phrase, however, in the King James, uh, it says, well, I could look it up here, I don't have it in front of me, but the King James makes it an imperative Mm -hmm. That says, He who rules over men righteously or justly must rule in the fear of God. Yeah. And uh, so that makes it an imperative there. Uh, That must is inserted. If you're looking at your King James, it'll have it in italics there, which means uh, the translators thought it was right to insert that. And uh, most other translations see it as a descriptive instead of an imperative. But for what I want to point out here, I don't think that's changes I don't think that changes anything one way or the other, because verse four then says, "If you're talking about a man who's ruling over men righteously and ruling in the fear of God, listen again to what it says he's like. He is as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds uh so I thought it was an interesting thing to think about that's what the man who rules righteously in the fear of god is like but what if you what if you reverse that and you say the he who rules over men unrighteously who rules without any fear of god mm-hmm. then i think you, it would be appropriate to to take the negative of everything that's described yeah. in that metaphor and so let me just do that he who rules over men wickedly or unrighteously who rules apart from the fear of God, he is as the light of the night when the sun has gone down, or the he's as the dark of the night when the sun has gone down. Yeah. He's like a nighttime without clouds. Not without clouds, but with clouds, fully cloud covered, so you can't even see the and no, discernment. no stars. Yeah. Okay, so he is as the darkness of the night when the sun goes down. He is like the nighttime covered with clouds when nothing, no tender grass springs out of the earth because there's no sunshine and there's no rain. Uh, I think that's the metaphor that we're talking about here. So if God has said that the the one who rules righteously in the fear of God, that he is like the sunshine and the the rain, uh, why would you want something other than that? You know, And it just occurs to me, well, people say, well, but you don't have that on the ballot. You don't have a guy like that now, and now what do you do? And this is where I think about the woman who gave her two mites. And I think about the boy who was at the place where Jesus was teaching, and they didn't have any food and he had what he had brought for lunch, you know, a couple of fish and loaves, yeah. and he gave that. And it would have been a per- perfectly appropriate for anybody who watches the widow giving her two mites and the boy offering up his lunch. I think it would have been totally natural and understandable for somebody to see that and say, well, that's not going to do anything. How's that going to help? Yeah. Yeah. But you're discounting you're discounting the work of God mm-hmm. and so how do I apply that then well actually there there are some men in running for third parties for instance who uh, I think do make it over some of the bars that we just talked about here they're not automatically disqualified uh, the Constitution Party candidate I think his name is Heffling Tom mm-hmm. Heffling. Yeah. Uh as far as I know, he makes it over the, all those hurdles that we just mentioned. Oh, but you can't vote for him. That's like giving two mites into the into the treasury. How's that going to help anybody? Yeah. Or you, you can't vote for him because there's 5,000 men with their families to feed and you're offering a couple of loaves and a and a fish. How's that going to do anything? Yeah. And and it just occurs to me as long as we're thinking that way what is that it's it's saying it's not going to help to obey the principles that god has laid down in the scripture because look how that's just going to turn out you're you're wasting foolish. your vote and
1: it's not wise
2: yeah you're voting for a third party you're just yeah. going to ensure that somebody else gets elected or something which i've never understood that logic anyway but It's like if I buy an RC Cola, that helps Coke more than it helps Dr. Pepper or or something (laughs) like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, So uh, all I'm saying is, as soon as we start talking about it's time for Christian people to vote on biblical principles, the answer, the only answer that we ever get back is a pragmatic one that says, yeah, but if you do that, it's just going to suck and be bad and... And yeah. everything's gonna be horrible and and at some point Christians are gonna have to get to the point where we say, you know what? Y'all are bad anyway and I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna follow God. Yeah, you have to do what's right. The I forget who said it, but the it's a it's a great quote. That duty is ours, consequences belong to God. You know, how these things fall out, yeah. that's up to him. But you and I have a responsibility to obey the commandments.
1: We do. And and that's that's not just for me and you, and then everybody else who's listening can say, well, you know, I can opt out of this. We all have a responsibility for our government. Right. Period. Yeah. And that's voting. And you need to to go in there knowing... That the Bible has specific standards that relates to our rulers, and we have to use that. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, and use the Bible for some things, but not use it for all things, then don't use it at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're just
2: cherry-picking at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's
1: really not what we've been called to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: but you just described modern evangelicalism, though.
1: Well, yeah. (laughs) But... If Christians would do what they were supposed to do, yeah. what they're called to do, they really would be salt and light and yeah, make a difference that. and make that. some change. And so, you know, when you're talking about these two candidates, <laughs> my hope has been, please, Lord, let there be somebody else that I can support. <laughs> yeah. and, and in so doing, not just when I walk into the booth to vote, but to say to other people, hey, there's another option, there's another choice, and we have to be true to what God has called
2: yeah. us. Yeah. And it applies, as you were saying that, I thought about stressing the fact that these things really apply to every civil magistrate that you're going to vote for, starting at the mm-hmm. top of the ballot, all the way down to your local sheriff. And yes. uh, maybe especially your local sheriff. You want Well, guy those guy people gonna, you should know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. As you get farther down the ballot, y- you really need to, as a Christian voter, you need to know the person that you're voting for or have some idea of, of what's going on. And you know, I've told people in our church, if you would not feel good about voting for this person to become a deacon in your church, you shouldn't feel good about voting for them to yeah, be have any kind of, of authority yeah. over you. Yeah. And and that's that comes out of the Bible too. Yeah. Uh, Romans 13 says that the civil ruler is God's deacon. And uh, so... I'm not just pulling that out of nowhere there. Yeah. But we hear the other the other critiques that we hear is yeah, but that's that's all old testament and and uh that was a covenanted nation and and what do you do if you're in a nation that's not in a covenant with God? Well, my answer is you still obey God.
1: (laughs) You're forgetting where your citizenship is. (laughs) And the nation you belong to is in a covenant with God. (laughs) You're just living in another territory. (laughs) But the thing is that you're going to take over that territory and it's going to become God's kingdom. And so, you know, perspective people.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And, And if we recognize that we're living in a nation that's not in a covenant with God, and frankly, I think you could make the case historically that we are a nation that covenanted with God and then departed from that covenant. Uh, That's not an excuse. If you're in a nation that was never covenanted to God and isn't now, that's still not an excuse because the Bible says that you and I are supposed to go into all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and, and teach them to obey. So the goal is Covenanted nations—that's what baptism is about, coming into the covenant. And so, if you're if you're baptizing the nations, you're making covenanted nations, and that's what we're doing. If we're in an uncovenanted nation, that's that's not a good thing. We should be arguing against that and yeah. fighting with all our might, you know. And <laughs> uh, and the other thing to remember, since we're post-millennial, uh, that's a temporary thing. Even if you are in an uncovenanted nation. Eventually. Time to start acting like yeah. uh, you know, the the will of God might actually be done on earth as it is <laughs> in heaven. All right. Wow, our time flew by pretty fast. See, we didn't get to talk about very many passages, but
1: But there are more. And if you have questions Please contact
2: this man. He will answer them. Right. Oh, you know what? There's even something better they could do. Uh, There's a great article on this from uh, William O. Einwechter.
1: Ooh, how do you spell that? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, I don't have it written down. (laughs) E I N (laughs) W E C H T E R. Yeah, I think it's E I N W E C H T E R. Maybe we'll try to get a link. William O. Einwechter wrote a a great article about uh, biblical requirements for civil rulers. Maybe we'll see if we can get a link to that. If not, I'm sure you can find it. And he's done uh, sermon audio things on that very topic. and uh, So he's a great resource to look at for that too. That's excellent. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'd do the best I could, but he's a good guy to go to. And so I think we're done here. All right. Young lady. Mm. I think we're done. It's all over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh so what we always want to say is uh now it's time for you to take this information and go out and glorify God and do it on purpose. That's right. Amen. So mm-hmm. we'll see you next time. Bye. Say bye-bye. Oh, you just did bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you for joining Pastor Gordon Runyon and friends as they set the record straight. Visit us at reconstructionistradio.com to download your favorite audiobooks. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete weekly lineup of eight distinct podcasts. Starting on Sunday, Setting the Record Straight, with Pastors Gordon Runyon, Jason Garwood, and Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Mondays, The Post Mill Report, with Nathan F. Conkey. Tuesdays, Axe to the Root, with Bojidar Marinov. Wednesdays, The Hellraiser Report, with Scott Allen Bus. Thursdays, The War Room, with Bill Evans and Jason Sanchez. Fridays, Once Dead, where Christians give testimonies of God's grace upon their lives. And Saturdays, Restoring America One County at a Time lectures, with Joel McDermott. And our new podcast, No Neutrality, with various contributors. Please don't forget to subscribe to each individual podcast or the reconstructionist radio master feed where you will get all of the content we produce including our free audiobooks don't forget to go to reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator and to partner with us financially may the holy spirit stir you into action for christ and his kingdom